Welcome everyone, live from McKillop College Werribee in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Mac Live on Live FM. My name is Emma, Rebecca and Linda um, are our co-hosts today and we have a guest speaker. His name is Alex. We're going to be talking about gender identity and asking him some questions about that. Hello, Alex. Hi. <laughs> um, so our first question, well, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? <laughs> good, thanks. Um, just um, before we start, I'm just going to ask, what are everyone's pronouns? You want to go first, Linda? I'll go first. Oh, Linda or Disney. Um, my, name, my pronouns are she, her, and Alex. Mine pronouns are he, him. My ones are they, them. She, her. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Um, so we're just going to be asking a few questions first up. So first of all, who are you? My name's Alex. I'm an ex-McKillop student. I graduated last year in 2021. Uh, I'm a mental health public speaker and advocate, and I also uh, speak quite often about LGBTQ plus rights. Lovely. So where are you from, Alex? I'm from Werribee. <laughs> nice. Um, so we're just going to be asking you our first question, like whatever. Um, what are like your day-to-day responsibilities of like the role that you like do with like mental health and all that? Yeah. So every day actually looks really different. Um, sometimes, some days I'm doing a lot of consultation work. So sitting in meetings, uh, chatting with uh either researchers, I do a lot of, uh, I'm a youth advisor on a few different studies. Um, so working in mainly suicide prevention research um, and working on studies and uh, that can look like reading over uh, documents either for content or looking at the um, language of them to make them more accessible to young people or um, being in meetings and talking about what young people actually want out of things and what they're looking for and what their ideas are and what they really um, see as key priorities in the mental health care sector. And then there's other days where, like Tuesday, I was on a panel discussion for Mental Health Victoria um, in partnership with Tandem and Vimiac. Uh, and then some days it's just me speaking personally about my own lived experience um, or um, for LGBTQ specific things, talking about my transition or being on podcasts or things like this. So every day looks completely different. And I think that's what I really love about it. Um, so why, excuse me, so why did you, so like, why do you enjoy doing mental health panels? Like what was the biggest thing for the reason you're doing them? Yeah, I think mental health advocacy is really important. Uh, mental health is something that's not really uh, talked about often or um, at least not in older generations. I think we're getting yeah. a lot better at it, at it as young people. Yeah. But the sector still hasn't really quite caught up to that. It's not where we need it to be. Um, it's quite frankly quite broken. Um, and a lot of the work that I do um, works on trying to improve that. Yeah. And so that's why I do what I do. I think being able to share my lived experience um, both good and bad to make the system better than it was before yeah. is something that I'm really passionate about. 
yeah, and helping those young children and like young people like us realize yeah. who we are and what we do in life. Yeah. <laughs> How did you find yourself like doing all this? Like, did someone approach you in circumstance or? Yeah, I sort of fell into it a little bit. I have been going to um, LGBTQ plus program um, at local council for probably five years now and it's very much a social group um, getting to um, know and meet and connect with other young queer people um, and that's really the main purpose of it and I find that um, really valuable and there's a lot of worth in it but we had someone from Origin which is a youth mental health organization come in and um, want us to do some qualitative data to go with her quantitative data and present it and um, so we did we answered some questions for her and then she was like oh we want someone to present this and I was like oh I could probably do that um, I'd had anxiety around public speaking for the last like three years prior and McKillop actually helped a lot with that in terms of um, having a teacher force me to join the debate team um, on the on the preface that I would be just writing the rebuttals, didn't have to speak, and then someone from the team dropped out and she was like, oh, sorry, you've, you've got to speak now. Because <laughs> you were part of the team, so you got to yeah. kind of had no choice. Nah. No. Yeah. She's like, yeah, that's, like, that's, that's yeah, your job now. Job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I was getting a lot more comfortable with it and I went, oh, I could probably do that. And then got up, presented some qualitative data um, around what young people think, what young queer people think about the mental health care system. Uh, and then uh, afterwards she approached me and she was like, that was really good. Can we get you to come do that again at a conference in a couple of months? And I went, oh, you have to ask the school because <laughs> uh, it was meant to be on a school day. Um, and thankfully Andrew Exton went, yeah, we'll do that. So he organized it and I just kept in contact with Joe, who is the um, lead researcher on the suicide prevention research team, and a few like it's all very much word of mouth. Like I had Victoria Police there on that first day, and they asked me to come and speak at Wear a Purple Day, which is oh, no, not Wear a Purple Day, Ida Hobbit Day, which was um, not too long after that first presentation. So it's very much just like falling into things and um, saying yes to a lot of things, and then finding out that I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Nice. Um, just going into like a pretty um, deep question, like did you find it difficult? What, what did you find difficult about like becoming like you, you really are and like transitioning and like finding out like this is your like real self? Yeah, I think the hardest thing for me was getting my parents up to speed with everything. Um, it took about probably 18 months uh, after I first came out. So I came out ooh, halfway through year seven-ish and my parents really weren't on board um, and initially were like, okay, well, if this is how you really feel, then uh, you can wait until you're 18 and then it's like starting a new chapter, graduate high school, and then you can do whatever you like. And when they sort of presented that, I was like, ooh, I'm not going to make it to 18. Uh, and struggling with that because I'd already had um, suicidal ideation at the time and that was um, – it got a lot worse after that. Um, but they didn't want to let me do 
absolutely anything. And I didn't really have anywhere that I fit. I didn't feel safe at home. And then coming into school, I had friends who supported me, but uh, the school themselves couldn't do anything because I didn't have parental permission. So they're like, oh, we'd love to be able to let you change your name on the roll and change uniform, but we need parental consent to do that. So it felt like I was really stuck because I couldn't do anything. I had to get parental permission and I didn't know how to convince my parents. Sorry, I feel like that's kind of, I don't know how to explain it. That's not really like changing a name on the roll shouldn't be a parental thing. If like, do you know what I mean? Like obviously like there's some things that, yeah, like, I don't like know. it's like a nickname. If you, you can put a nickname on the roll or your middle yeah. name on the roll, so why couldn't you just change your name on the roll? I am not sure. I feel, do you know what I mean though? Like, <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't make sense that you, I need my mum to tell the school that I can change my name on a roll. Like, that just doesn't make sense. Because they, they told me that I could put my nickname like on the roll if I go to the front office. But, like, that makes, yeah, I didn't, yeah, yeah. that makes no sense. And it may have changed now. Yeah. But at the time, like, this was. Five years ago, yeah, something like that. So it was, yeah, it was really frustrating. frustrating yeah, that would be. God, that. I feel like the school has like really evolved from yeah. like those past years, and like even now, the like they have so much like they want to represent that thing. Mm. Or like even with like the uniform now, I feel like it's getting somewhat better, but they're not like. Yeah. all the way there yet. Well, because our society is, like, progressing, so, like, they've yeah. got to keep up with that because if they're not, then, like, why would, like, other parents who are, like, who are aware of all this stuff happening and students as well, why would they want to come here if they're not being progressive as society is, like, wearing the pants and all that, like, do you know what I mean? I feel mm. like as a, yeah. Exactly. I think organisations and institutions are always going to be that little bit behind, but I think if they're always still moving forward, um, then yeah. we're going we're going in the right direction. direction. Yeah. Um just tuning uh if you just joined, um you're tuning in um in Mac Live from Live FM. We're live from McKellop College Werribee in Melbourne, Australia. My name is Emma and this is my co host today, uh Rebecca and um Linda. Also Rebecca, just a little nickname we call her. <laughs> um and our special guest today is Alex. Um He's a uh, mental health um, ambassador and he goes to many um, – oh, I forgot the word. What is it? Um, he, schools um, and, schools and, and like panels and talks. Panels, that's the one. There we go. <laughs> and talks about like a lot of that type of stuff. Our topic today is gender identity and we just asked him some questions about his – everyday life and like his transitioning and like just like very – personal, uh, comfortable questions that we asked. <laughs> we did clarify these questions before we've asked, so, yeah. you know, we're not just, like, throwing them all out there at once. I'm quite an open book. <laughs> um, in saying that, who do you think was your, like, biggest supporter during your tough time? I've I've had a few um, and they're all in different little pockets of places, so – here, definitely, um, I mean, Ebony Seamson's one of them and Andrew Exton is another for McKillop, uh, as well as um, the upper management in terms of Troy Rickard and Anna Marazita and um, those sorts of people really helping to iron out things and making sure that things move very smoothly um, and allowing me to advocate for myself and other young people. Um, outside of that, uh 
the Youth Resource Centre run by um, Wyndham Council and that um, queer young person program that I mentioned before. Uh, the social worker who runs it, his name's Brett Bowen, and he is, I've known him for five years, and he's one of the most wonderful people that I've ever met. And he's always been so incredibly supportive of everything that I want to do uh, and really helped me in a time where my parents couldn't or wouldn't. Um, and it was, he was probably one of the first adults that I've ever met who was openly and proudly queer, um, particularly in the West. And I, I find that really important and inspiring and I appreciate him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever feel like when you were like pushing to like on like um, talking about like this topic at school, um, did you ever feel like scared about like other students or like because I know the school has very like so many opinions from so many different, different people. people and like just like thinking about like, oh, what are other people going to think or like do? I mean, I have anxiety, so I'm always thinking about what other people <laughs> think and what other people are going to do. Um, but I have, because of that, I've gotten quite good at ignoring it um, and sort of explaining it away like, oh, that's not really happening. It's just my anxiety. Um, but I think another, in another sense, I, I wasn't very openly out while I was a McKillop student. I was definitely, I was still advocating and I have been since 2019 in public speaking and that sort of thing. But um, in terms of a school context, I was out and I would talk to anyone who asked me about it um, and things along those lines, but I wasn't, I don't know how many people knew exactly. I sort of lost track by the end of year 12. I was like, I don't actually know who knows and who doesn't. And it, um, yeah, it, it got a bit muddled, but I, I definitely tried to keep them somewhat separate, which I think was a, a bit of a futile effort, but it made me feel a little bit more comfortable. Hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like even like with everyone at this school now, because over the years, like society has progressed and there's like a lot more movements against like LGBT in a positive way. Um, there's a lot more younger people now at this school that are more like pro LGBT and like yeah, pushing for yeah. better understanding yeah. and knowing about it too because it's not only at like I feel like in society like in our TV shows and everything we watch there's a lot more representation and so mm. a lot more people are like oh understanding different types of people and what they like and what they do yeah so and especially sorry go continue <laughs> and especially for like a Catholic school as well like there's such like a stereotype and like oh you know this is like oh, no, like, you're Catholic, like, there should be this, this and this. It's simple. But, yeah. like, now at this Catholic school, it's, like, so much, like, everyone, even teachers have, like, a better, like, understanding mm-hmm. of yeah. it. And they're so much, like, like so much, like, better now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's so much, like, it's, it's like, yeah, it's good. I feel like, too, though, at a Catholic school there is that stereotype where it's, like, because we're Catholic, there are things that we can and 
we believe and like people are like oh you're catholic so you don't support these people you don't support this or that but it's really just a personal opinion like i don't think you can make a stereotype judgment just because someone believes in something that they don't support or like something else if that makes sense absolutely i I think mckillop is a really good example of that yeah there's like different everyone here has their own opinions so Mm. can't take anything yeah so what advice would you give young generations of someone that is transitioning these days yeah i think it's very much there's two different ways that you can sort of go about it it's very much meeting people where they're at and trying to understand this perspective um and something i know that i heard quite often when my parents were still coming to terms with everything was, oh, just give them time, be patient. I got so frustrated with being patient. Um, and, but it, it really is about that, but it's doing it in ways that are also um, meaningful and healthy to you. Um, and I think finding ways for you to cope while other people process things is really vital. Um, whether that be through writing or secretly buying some clothes that match your desired, like your actual gender and just finding small ways to rebel or do the things that you want to do that don't necessarily have a negative impact. I think always trying to stay safe but doing what you can to survive is really important because it is going to be difficult. And I think as we move forward, it's going to get easier, but it's still always going to be difficult. And there's a lot of need to acknowledge that struggle and try to uh, work out ways to minimise it. Definitely. Was there a time in your life or like an age that just really opened your eyes and you thought, I don't belong to the normal stereotype? I mean, I don't think I've ever really fit in. Um, uh, in primary school, I was the only girl playing with the boys and playing football for like four years. Yep. And um, it was... Yeah, I've, I've never really fit in. Like in grade six, I was hanging out with a group of girls and I was like, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on. There's so much drama. They're all fighting with each other. I don't even know what they're fighting about anymore. It was... It was like and, in one ear, out the other. Absolutely. I had no idea what was going on and I just didn't get it. And uh, But I didn't... At the same time, I didn't really recognise why and I don't think all of it was to do with being trans Um, I think some of it is also just me but uh, definitely moving into year seven um, I'd had depression since I was 11 so that's about grade five so I'd been dealing with it for around two years at that point and I had absolutely no idea why I could not identify a reason and I think a lot of that was my gender identity and not being able to recognize what was making me feel so terrible, but it was definitely having an impact on me. Um, And a lot of that said in retrospect, 
Um, and it's it was definitely really difficult to identify at the time. But, yeah, I don't think I've ever really fit into the normal stereotype. Yeah. Um, in Like, what's the most, like, accomplishing thing that you've, like, ever did in your life? I mean, I think it's about to happen. Um, I, I'm leaving for Copenhagen on the 26th of September and I'm presenting at a psychology conference. Um, oh, so I'm cool. there for a week and I'm really excited about it. It's probably going to be the, um, the biggest accomplishment I'll have to date. But outside of that, I think being myself because I think that sort of led into everything else that I've done. Like I think it's the main contributing factor for everything else that I've accomplished. So I think that would be the biggest accomplishment that I have. Um, did the school system encourage you like during your transitioning times, <clears throat> excuse me, or did you feel like they could have done something different? Like, was there anything that still sits with you that you can remember or? Yeah, I think there'll always be things that could be different. Yeah. I think there's always going to be things that we can improve and I don't think that's anyone in particular's fault. It's definitely a learning curve. Like I was the second student to transition at McKillop ever. <laughs> so that we're, we're always going to be working things out and there's yeah. going to be kinks that we've got to iron out uh, for yeah. different things. Uh, but overall, like, very receptive to feedback, um, willing to work through things, have conversations about things. And I think that's really the crux of it. It's really about how how do you interact with things that aren't necessarily 100% correct? And if they're not correct, how do you go about fixing them? Yeah. I think that's really what's important. It's not the fact that you got it wrong. It's how you go, yeah. go about fixing it. Yeah. That's really nice. That's really good. <laughs> that makes me really happy that like that they've like supported like they've like you have felt that comfortable to like even open up and open be up. yourself. And like it's good that like as you mentioned like Miss Samson was there to like help you and like to get you through that um the transition and like made you more comfortable in like your yeah. school life. Yeah. <laughs> Um, was there like, what are you doing now to like improve the community? Like, is there anything you like, I know you're going to like all these, um, like panels, uh, panels and like talking, but like, <clears throat> is there anything that like, other than that, that you think like other people can do to like improve or like help people in the community as well? On a very base level, I think educating yourself um, it's, I mean, it is technically my job, but it's not necessarily trans people's job to educate you about things. Um, I am here to ask questions because I'm okay with, uh, with answering questions and, um, but there, there are a lot of trans and gender diverse people who aren't comfortable answering questions and it's, uh, inconsiderate and uncomfortable to put them in, in that position when you could go and type that into Google and get a more succinct and probably better, more informative answer. Um, which is not to say that lived experience isn't 
valued, which is why I do what I do. I think lived experience is very valuable, but it's inconsiderate to ask people who don't want to answer questions to um, give you their whole life story when they're not open to sharing it. So if you can search something up and don't ask inappropriate questions, it really shouldn't be hard to not do that. But if you wouldn't ask someone who isn't transgender diverse a question, don't ask. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just don't ask. Or you can just Google it. Yeah. But even then. Just don't. Don't. <laughs> Do you have any advice to give, like, the older generation that doesn't truly understand? I mean, I think, again, it's about that education, but I think it's also just being a little bit open-minded. I think in that sense, yes, connecting with someone with lived experience is really important. Um, and being able to talk with them and see that they have a future. I think a lot of um, older people think that you won't have a life Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's important to show them that you can and you can actually thrive and you can do things and – but, yeah, it is about that education and open-mindedness, I think. Mm. Um, do you think like, well, for you, was it like, have you ever like applied for a job and like been scared and like, oh my God, like what's going to happen? And like, how am I going to like break the news to them? Or like, was it like, or if you ever applied for a job, like, did were you ever like worried about that? I was, um, and I ended up disclosing it in an interview sort of after I'd gotten a job and it was very casual. It was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Like we'll just sort it out like that's whatever. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time in the line of work that I'm in, I don't really have to apply for jobs very often and it's not really something that I have to worry about because it's like part of the job description in a sense. So it's useful in that way um, that I don't really – um, like traditional work. Um, but in saying that, like I, I was working somewhere earlier in the year and I was very scared to come out because of the boss. Um, and he has no idea that I'm trans and hopefully he never will. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was something that played on my mind for quite a while. It was, um, quite terrifying to be on a shift and have him say things and I'm just sitting there like cool uh, not gonna talk about that <laughs> that's and like obviously you don't have to like you're not obliged to tell people like no that like which is why I didn't yeah <laughs> that's, <laughs> I probably, that's probably better yeah yeah I'm in a very privileged position where I don't have to tell people because mm. I can pass which is that I um, present with the gender that I identify with quite well and quite easily um and I'm very privileged in that sense so I don't really have to worry about clarifying what my pronouns are or things like that Mm. yeah yeah that's interesting (laughs) very um so I think that's all the questions that we have today um thank you so so much for coming onto our podcast we all really appreciate it and we like thank you so much for like all your answers they're all fantastic and like 
like I hope just like this podcast like educates people like they like get to know or like have a better un- better understanding on like gender identity and like the trans community and just the LGBT community in a whole and like um thank you again thank you um my name is Emma this is Rebecca and another Rebecca also Linda um and our guest speaker today was Alex and thank you thank you for joining us thank you for having me (laughs)